Friday Lunchtime Lectures at the Open Data Institute. Welcome everyone to the Open Data Institute. Thank you all for coming. My name is Anna Scott, I'm the editor here, and I'm delighted to introduce our panellists today as part of a special ODI Fridays panel discussion. As part of our Open Data Leaders Network this week, we've welcomed Open Data Leaders from around the world to come and share their knowledge, uh, share challenges, share solutions, and engage with each other. So we're lucky enough today to be joined by three of these Open Data Leaders who work on Open Data initiatives in their own countries in areas that relate to, the, to specific sustainable development goals. So on my far left, we have Sandra Elena, coordinator of the Open Justice Programme at Argentina's Ministry of Justice and Human Rights. Welcome. We also have Lynette Kwambuka, coordinator of Kenya's Open Data Initiative. And finally, Neil Horn, Open Data Project Manager at the City of Cape Town. So a little bit of housekeeping to begin with. Um, if you'd like to follow the discussion online, we use the hashtag ODI Fridays. And if you're listening, because we're live streaming today, um, you can follow the discussion online and also ask questions using that hashtag, and we'll be sure to ask them at the end. So for introductions, I'd like to start with Sandra. If you could just say a little bit about yourself and your background, please. Sure. Thank you. Well, I am working with Open Data for the four last years, and I have been a civil society member working on data, and this is how I began being in this community. And now this year I joined the Argentine government uh, because we are implementing an open government and open data strategy for the country. And this is the first time in Argentina that we are trying to do something like this. So I decided that this was something very, very good to, to work on. So we are very committed to open up data and to promote open government practices in the country. And in my case, I'm working in the Ministry of Justice, so I am in charge of the open government and open data strategy for the Ministry of Justice. Brilliant. Thank you very much. And Yes, um, so my background is in computer science and software engineering. Um, I'm the project coordinator for the Kenya Open Data Initiative uh, for the government of Kenya, and I have been doing that. This is my sixth year. Um, given my background, I also run a software engineering company focusing on data analytics. So um, my biggest kind of uh, aim has been to develop the data ecosystem in uh, Nairobi and uh, generally in Kenya and uh, most other parts of uh, Africa, uh, trying to get government to open up information because I have a very clear understanding and focus uh, about how important it is uh, when citizens um, and companies have access to information and how much more even the government itself can do in uh, development and resource allocation. Thank you. Emil? So um, in my role as, as project manager of, of the Open Data Project at the city, um, I'm, I've had this role since, since um, 2014. And um, the different things that we've been doing, um, first off, um, we did the open data policy. We developed that during um, um, 2014. And in September 2014, our open data policy was approved by our council. Um, and then and during 2015, um, we basically developed our open data portal. Um, right now, the focus of our work in open data is really around um, facilitating um, requests for open data. And, and publishing data on our portal. And um, moving forward, our focus is going to move into community engagement and, 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 and getting um, um, more engaged with, with, with the stakeholders, the open data stakeholders in the city of Cape Town. Brilliant. Thank you very much. And so we'll dig into some of those things a lot in due course. Um, so over the next half hour, um, I'd like to talk about what's worked well in your respective open data programs, along with some challenges and lessons that you think others can learn from, and then talk about how data can be harnessed in different areas specific to the sustainable development goals. So firstly, I'd like to talk a bit about success factors in setting up and maintaining an open data initiative. Neil, you've set up an open data initiative from scratch um, in Cape Town, and you've loaded 83 data sets in just two years. That's a huge achievement. Um, what were the most important factors in achieving this? Okay, so when we, um, or when I was tasked with being the Open Data Project Manager in 2014, um, I, I really didn't know much about, about open data at all. So a lot of what I did initially was a lot of desktop research, um, looking at the uh, um, initiatives in Kenya, um, other initiatives around the, country, um, around the world, in, in the USA, what was happening in Europe. So a lot of my work was just about gaining understanding um, around, around what, what, what um, 
open data was about. Then some of the other key success factors is that the city of Cape Town is, um, has got a very strong technical skills base. So we've got lots of people in the city that is good, good at programming, strong in the areas of business analysis, in systems development. And we've also got um, 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 very strong um, um, systems in place in terms of our SAP enterprise system. We've got um, Arches um, Enterprise in place in terms of spatial data management. So, um, so one of the other key factors is that um, it was very important for us to, or for my department to collaborate with our ICT department and our communications department in terms of setting up our open data portal. Mm -hmm. So yeah. And you come from a business background yourself. Have you managed to translate any of your skills from your business life, your, your previous life in business, to, to this current role? Yeah, yeah um, um, the, 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 uh, in terms of my experience from, from business, it's, it's really been um, helpful um, working with, with, with um, different sets of management in my background and understanding the requirements and the needs and then being able to translate that into something like a open data portal mm -hmm. or an information system. Mm -hmm. So that's really been, 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 been my background and, and, and yeah, my, my education as well. Okay, interesting. Yeah. And Lynette, you also have experience in a, in a business-driven approach in that you engage entrepreneurs, developers, startups, data providers, all in the open data platform in Kenya. Mm -hmm. um, would you say the same approach works well or what are your kind of reflections on that? Yeah, I think uh, for me, the biggest thing that has worked very well has been being able to customize the various uh, solutions, the various data sets that are available uh, to the various groups. Mm -hmm. um, you find that when you know, you're working within government, they want something that relates to them, something that is going to make their work very easy and is very useful. Mm -hmm. When you work with uh, you know, in independent developers or software engineers, it's completely different uh, than when you're working with more enterprise-like um, companies. So um, we have... Uh, got into a place where we've had to kind of come up with new strategies for uh, depending on what group of stakeholder we're actually engaging and that works very well when um, it's not a one-size-fits-all kind of uh, approach. Yeah sure so because another very very important aspect of the success of open data initiatives is engaging government yeah. um, and part of your work is to prom promote open data in government agencies through the Open Data Fellows program. Yes. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah um, so um, a few years ago well I, before I joined the government uh, to do open data, I actually worked for the World Bank. Okay. And uh, during my time at the World Bank, we were managing the open data initiative there before transferring it to the Kenyan government. We decided to do a fellows program. Um, this was back in 2011, and the idea here was to get a few people, put them in some institutions, help them uh, understand, help, to help those in institutions understand um, their use of data and what they can do in terms of, of information systems. So at that point, we had four people, uh, mainly put them in one civil society organization and three media houses. Um, and uh, out of that, we had a few successes where one media house actually now maintains a data desk where there's one person who sits there and is responsible for curating all these information. And then last year, the <coughs> Kenya Open Data Project uh, hired a consultant, and through the consultant, we hired eight fellows, and we decided... Uh, so we have kind of been changing the focus of uh, what we call our clients, the people who we work closest with, mm -hmm. and these are mostly governments. And uh, last year, we embedded... Um, these eight fellows in four government institutions. So in three ministries and one um, sub-national um, institution. And this worked so well because this was a four-month program where these uh, young fellows went in and sat there. The combination was one software engineer and one communications person. And the idea was they would go in, get the information from the various ministries or institutions um, and curate it, create dashboards, and then write blogs about it, tweet about it, and kind of uh, bring some kind of visibility out of that. Um, and given the success of the, pro the second program that we held last year, this year uh, we were allowed to hire 50 fellows. So far, we have 38. Um, and now the structure has changed. We have, you know, um, two who are working in GIS. Uh, we have, uh, you know, some who are doing data analytics. We have some software engineers, some uh, developers, some in communication. And we have um, embedded them in about 20 government institutions. Um, and the idea here is when we talk to the government institutions, um, we realize that there was, there's only four people in the government of Kenya who have a contract that reads anything open data. To everyone else, open data is extra work. So they did not want to... Uh, quite get involved. So the idea of having fellows was to improve the capacity. And what we have seen is most of the institutions that we work uh, with right now are very happy with the idea of having, um, you know, expanded capacity for them to be able to uh, do open data. Um, and now we, uh, 
before we started the fellows program, we had about 600 data sets. Now we have 900. Wow. And we're hoping that by the end of the year, we will have, um, you know, uh, over 1,000 data Great. sets coming out as well. And how are these fellows received in government? So are they, do they come from nowhere or are they sort of streamlined in over a course of period of time? So um, the biggest lesson we learned, uh, especially from last year, because we had a bit of rejection before everyone realized what was happening, yeah. is, um, you know, people think that the fellows are coming in to take their jobs. Yeah. You know, these are young kids out of school and they're very smart and, you know, you're bringing them here to tell us what our information systems look like. That doesn't make sense. So um, this year, our training was actually, part of it was very specific. How do you behave within government? Mm. You know, uh, what do you wear? What do you not wear? How do you speak? How do you walk? You know, things that would make them more accepted. Um, and uh, what we did, uh, unlike last year when we worked with a, with, with a consultant who was not, um, I mean, the consultant was very good, but they were not as invested, I would say, as us in terms of the acceptability of the people within government. So this year, uh, for every fellow who was placed in a government institution, on their day one, like their parents, we went with them and, um, you know, and introduced them and, you know, were very specific to say, these guys are here for six months and after six months you make the decision whether to hire them or not, but after six months they leave. Um, so they're not here to take anyone's job and that has to be understood. Uh, but then the, the other structural uh, kind of uh, change we made is uh, for each of those institutions that are hosting the fellows, we have a manager uh, from within okay. who they report to. So they don't, uh, in this case, directly report to us, although we have monthly meetings. They have someone they report to, they work with there, who will ensure that they are integrated. Okay, that's an, an interesting form of engagement. <coughs> yes. um, Sandra, you work in a similar capacity in that you engage people in justice institutions in open data. And you've done quite well in, in encouraging them to publish and produce open data according to a certain standard that you've created. Is that right? Yes, we're at early stages of implementing our strategy. Uh, we decided to launch an open data portal and we are still working on it. Mm. Uh, it's going to be online in October. Uh, so what we are working now is on having data sets ready to, to be published. I'm very jealous of Lynette because she has 900 data sets and I will be happy if we can publish 10 this year. But, I mean, I think we are on the right path and uh, we are engaging the, the legal community, the judicial community, but we don't want to work only with public institutions. Argentina is a federal country, so we have a national level and we also have the provinces and we are trying to, to include information and data from all the jurisdictions. So this is a huge challenge, uh, but we also want to, to work since uh, the beginning with the users of that information. This is why we are trying to engage the community. And we implemented a platform that is called Justice 2020 um, in Spanish, <laughs> Justicia 2020. Um, so we promote the debate and the understanding um, of the 70 priorities of public policy for the ministry and we provide this platform for a discussion, uh, a virtual discussion and a face-to-face -face discussion of all these uh, initiatives and we provide data to discuss that in a very informed way. So this is the first approach on how to build a community around the, the, the data and the information that we are publishing. That's really interesting. That's something I'd like to talk about later for sure, um, the, okay. the civil society element, because that's super interesting and I think that um, Lynette and Neil will have lots to say on that as well. But I'm, I'm quite interested in how it's been received in justice departments themselves. When you've engaged people in, in those positions, what's been the reaction in, in open data? It's not easy. Yeah. I mean, we have uh, technical challenges, but I would say that, that those are not the most important because we have good hum human resources so we can just overcome them. But the, to change the culture of um, ownership of, of the data and secrecy is very difficult. So we are working <coughs> with public officers and judicial officers and we are going to sign an agreement with the public institutions because we are part of the, the central administration as Ministry of Justice and the judicial institutions are separate from the administration. So we need to make an agreement that is going to be a big agreement. So 
every public institution and judicial institution can publish the, the data in our portal. So we are working with them, we are talking to them, we have meetings, and we are going to make a, a public agreement soon, maybe this month, uh, with the president of the country, the Ministry of Justice, and the presidents of the Supreme Court and the judicial councils of uh, different provinces. So we all commit to publish data. And on top of that, because this is the, like the political angle of the strategy, mm -hmm. but we are also working very hard in a more technical group to define standards for the publication of data because each province, each <coughs> public institution, even each office within the Ministry of Justice produces and, and collect, uh, collects the information in different ways. Some, some information has a system and with other institutions, they just don't have any kind of system. Mm -hmm. So we are standardizing the production and the publication of information. So this is a more technical, but also a very important part of our work. It seems like this is something that's going to have to happen in all of the sectors around sustainable development goals. People are going to have to really focus on publishing data to certain standards mm -hmm. if it's going to be effective. Um, Neil, your specialism is, is cities, smart cities, and you've got experience in aligning the open data policy that you've created to smart city goals in Cape Town. Can you tell us a bit about that? In terms of... The city of Cape Town has got a, a smart cities program and, and essentially... Open data is seen as one of the, um, there's about eight or ten projects, one of the, um, one of those projects that, that supports this whole city's, smart cities umbrella. And then open data is really seen as, 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 as part of moving the city towards a more digitally, digitally transformed state. So essentially, this, um, the mayor is a, is a major champion of, of open data in the city and she wants the, the departments to open up the data so that that supports her bigger program of digital transformation in the city as a whole. So, mm -hmm. so, so that's kind of the, the link between our open data, open data project and, 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 and the smart cities umbrella in the city. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Um, and where do you see smart cities going? Um, smart cities, it's, a, it's a interesting. Um, I've, I've been reading a lot about it. And, and, and in terms of, of, of our program or, or the, the international um, um, literature that I've been reading, it's, it's, it's really about seeing cities as a, as a kind of a, a, a infrastructure or, or platform from which um, other businesses or other stakeholders in the city mm -hmm. can, that can use and then, then um, spawn other kind of socioeconomic activities of, of, of your city as an as a open um, um, innovation platform. So, mm -hmm. so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that with, with open data and, and, and making our departments um, engage better with, with, with stakeholders outside of the city <coughs> because um, by opening data we allow... Um, this, um, other subject matter experts that sits outside of the city, we allow them to, to engage with our data and allow them to give input into our, our decisions and our processes. Um, so um, hopefully as we move forward, um, we will be able to do um, all the things that, 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 that Lenita has spoken about. But at this current stage in our open data development, we are pretty much focusing just on getting more and more data sets out. Mm -hmm. And we would really like to get to that phase where we have more... Um, engagement with stakeholders outside of the city yeah. so as to have that kind of inclusivity and openness. Yeah, exactly. So more broadly, something that we aim to do here at the ODI is, is promote the value of open data amongst civil society and, and non-technical people um, to raise awareness about the importance because arguably for the SDGs to work, demand is going to be really important, almost more so than even promoting the importance of publishing on the supply side people need to demand the data, right, in different sectors, different areas related to the goals, because that in itself will make sure that the data is of a higher quality and actually relevant to the, the sustainable development goals. So, Sandra, for your programme, Justice 2020, you've talked a bit about civil society. Um, how, what are the best avenues you find that, that engage people in civil society to, to public policy in your case? We are very committed to include all key stakeholders in our strategy. And this is how we conceived from the very beginning our strategy for um, justice reform and for open data in general and open government. So we created this platform 
to discuss, among other things, the SDG 16, which I would like to just talk very briefly about it. Um, for the first time in the agenda, in the UN agenda, uh, there is a goal that relates to institutional matters. Mm -hmm. So we were directly, uh, and we were, were very committed from the beginning to understand how to measure the impact or, and, and the goals and the targets from uh, SDG 16. And uh, we are trying to, to be Argentina as a model of uh, how to assess uh, compliance and progress on SDG 16. So we are very focused on producing information in, the, in terms that we can um, assess uh, this progress. Um, so with this in mind, we built this platform, Justice 2020, um, to discuss many of the issues that are related to SDG 16 and others that are a priority for the country. Um, so we have this in mind when we created this platform and we organized that in 70 priorities. Uh, some of these 70 priorities directly relate to the SDG 16, um, that is on mainly on access to justice and access to legal information. Um, so we are debating in a public uh, platform how to comply with the goals and how is the better way for the country um, to, to make progress <clears throat> on this. Um, this is a very interesting platform. We already have 10,000 uh, registrations within the platform and, and 4,000 uh, active participation in 20 commissions. So we are very happy that we have such a response from the community. Um, not all of this is related to open data, uh, but some, for example, I am a coordinator of one of the commissions, and this commission is uh, discussing anti-corruption and transparency uh, measures so and policies. So we, one of the things that we discuss is which are the priorities of, uh, which data sets are, are uh, priorities for the community to be published in, during this year. So we made the, the, the ranking of, of our data sets because we cannot publish everything at once. We don't have the technical uh, capacity to do that, but we are looking for priorities and, and, and input from the community and we are going to work um, based on the the demand, so this is a, a, a way. And and then we we are discussing every single initiative from the ministry on an open platform, mm -hmm. and and the comments and inputs will be included in, in the public policy. So we are just trying to change the culture of participation and of openness in the country. Great, thank <clears> you. <throat> and. Lynette, you've worked on open data projects for six years now. <laughs> How has the community's understanding of the value of open data changed in Kenya? I think right now there's, uh, there's definitely a lot more um, understanding and a lot more acceptance of, of the projects. Mm. And uh, uh, looking at the communities, both from the government side, from the civil society, private sector. Um, when uh, we started uh, Open Data in 2011, the main focus was very technical, where we were looking more at the software engineers, uh, the developer community. Um, and then we realized that given this approach, we had a lot more resistance because the rest of the community did not feel like they fit in. So we kind of had made it way too technical for, uh, for them. Um, so right now the focus has been a lot more in understanding each and every community um, or stakeholder group uh, independently and understanding what are the strategies, what are the communication uh, methods we can actually use uh, mm -hmm. to, to, to get to, uh, to, to have them more engaged. And we're finding that that, uh, that is working uh, very well. So when we're talking to the software developers, we use very technical languages, very technical examples. Uh, when we're talking to civil society, you know, we use more transparent accountability language and, uh, you know, examples that they can relate to. When we're talking to the media, be it during data journalism classes or just uh, showing them what we have. So for each um, stakeholder group, we have taken a very um, different uh, kind of approach in terms 
terms of, uh, you know, how, how we're doing it. Um, I will tell you very briefly, uh, as an example, we are actually doing um, the federal uh, government of Somalia's uh, open data. And uh, for me, that's studying uh, again all the way uh, at the beginning. And um, the main kind of demand in Somalia has been from uh, development partners um, and uh, civil society organizations. So in that case, the portal that we're building for them kind of translates information in a few clicks. So we can't assume, you know, everyone loves Excel spreadsheets. So mm -hmm. in that particular case, we're building a platform that allows you to visualize, analyze data very, very simply uh, for the kind of work that we have seen the demand side actually. Um, That's brilliant. Yeah. So did the Somalia government reach out to you and ask for help? Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. Based on the, the success of, of Kenya's open data? Uh, very much so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow, amazing. Yeah. Great. Um, and, and Neil, finally, with the fast development of your open data platform in Cape Town and the 83 data sets that you've published so far, how much interaction have you had with the users of that data so far? Um, um, as I mentioned earlier, one of our, our challenges, or not challenges, the, 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 the reason for our slow implementation in, in terms of open data in the city is that not a lot of resources has been devoted to um, bring, picking the message outside of the city in terms of speaking to stakeholders outside of the city. So I have um, very few examples, but I've got two, two good ones. In terms of um, our open data um, portal has got the city's budget data on it. And what, budget data. Or, yeah, yeah. The, budget, the budget information. And what's happened is that um, that was a request from um, several NGOs in the city to make the, the budget data available. Mm -hmm. that, that data was published. And that those NGOs took that data and then in partnership with a few other um, tech entrepreneurs and some people in, 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 in the journalistic um, sector, they created a, 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 a web application um, called Cape Town Budget Project. And the idea behind this, 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 this project was that it is a, it was a, it's a visualization of the, of the budget of Cape Town to show the layman in the street how the city spends its money and where the priorities of the city is in terms of, of, it, of, of its budget information. So, um, of, of which, of course, spending its, spending its budget. So, um, that, that's been a, a very um, um, useful um, 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 example. But the problem with that example in our case is that, that it's not been very um, complementary of, of, of the city in terms of, 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 of how we're spending our budget. Yeah. Um, another example of, 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 of um, the data being used is um, I mean, we've recently seen um, <laughs> uh, the launch of an of a IBM um, a research hub in, 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 in Gauteng in South Africa. Yeah. And they've actually, um, this IBM research group has taken our um, fire incidents data and they have developed a... Um, a dashboard or a model for, for decision-making around um, 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 or um, prevalence of, 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 of fires in certain areas. And, and now this, this, this is kind of being used to um, manage um, wow. um, 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 fires. So, so those are the two, two key examples that I have of, of, of our data being used um, outside of the city. Um, yeah. Brilliant. And are you capturing those stories? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Well... Thank you all. That was really, really interesting. I want to give some time for questions now from the audience. Um, if you could say your name and, and your affiliation, that would be really helpful. My lovely assistant is going to come and help. I need to turn it on as well. Thanks. Yes, my name, my name is Stefano Bonfa. I'm from Oxford Sustainable Development Enterprise. And we just now, we are going to have a, to develop a startup that is dealing with the data satellite, that's a smart strategy specialization. This is mainly related for Europe. Now, the reason of this type of, let's say, initiative is because Europe has realized, we talk about Europe, but I think this also works for developing countries, as real app does not grow. So they develop what is called smart strategy specialization. In other words, it is innovation issue in relation with the strategies. What we are going to do, for, let's say, is a startup on how you create, let's say, innovation using data. Now, my main issue is, also I think we are going to develop an initiative in developing countries. Our main interest is, yes, is the goal objective of the United Nations is, let's say, create a job, economics, social inclusion, etc. 
Now, if you don't have a strategy, then I appreciate your approach at the national level, but a strategy that create, let's say, economy, jobs, and this, if you don't have data, if you don't have a platform, if you don't have analytical tools, you cannot have any strategies. This means there are a lot of initiatives around the world, but they don't bring any impact. So what we try to do is how we can exploit another particular data. This is satellite data. People do not realize it, how valuable are the data satellites. And they are free now. Mm-hmm. And they are more real than any type of, let's say, other support. So exploiting the data satellite with the platform and developing strategies and related with other data, they may can bring some benefit to the countries. Mm-hmm. And I will be very appreciated as well this I'm here to, I mean, we have some kind of collaboration with all of three. Okay. In order we can... Uh, Did you have a specific question for any of the, the panelists? The, part, the question is simple. If you don't have a strategies, you don't go anywhere. You don't have an innovation strategy combined with data, because you data have to link to the strategy of the economic development. Otherwise... Okay. Thank you very That's much. Thank you. Any other questions? Hi there. My name is Paul. I'm your data. Um, what level of confidence does your citizenry have in the data that you're producing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, across the board. Um, it, it's just that even in the UK, there are people who who question. The, the veracity of, of, of data published by the government. Um, I wonder if in, in different countries there are different sort of levels of suspicion or the, the, the belief that this data has been manipulated to show things in a good light. Although from what you were saying about Cape Town budget, no one could accuse it of that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. okay. Oh, oh, sorry. Okay, so um, if I can just start. Um, um, in terms of the, the trust and confidence that, that, that the citizens have in our data, I find that our, um, our portal or the, the community that our portal speaks to is a very kind, it's a kind of a closed technical group at the moment. So, so what we, we see the city as at the moment being more of a supplier of data and that we have these NGOs, like I mentioned earlier, that, that then take the data or, or intermediaries that take the data and then make it into something useful for the, for the, for the citizens. So, for instance, in the budget project um, 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 case, I, I think that our citizenry in Cape Town are actually getting more com- confident because the NGOs and the journalists are taking a very critical view of the data that our city is publishing on our portal. So, as a result, the city might not feel um, that they're being complimented by what's being said, but I would imagine that the contrary of that is that the citizens feel, oh, okay, now, now we're actually seeing the truth. Something, something. I would say, uh, I was sat with um, his idea about satellites. Actually, the World Bank um, just published a paper, although I wrote a counter paper on that, but um, it was using satellite imagery to determine uh, GDP for the Kenya's sub-national uh, government. So um, what they did is uh, using satellite imagery at night, um, they measured the amount of light coming out of the various places. So the more light there is, the more likely there's uh, electricity around that area. So that means there's actually uh, development. So it's a, it's a difference. And I counter that by saying uh, you could actually look at the road network, you could use crime data, which is data we already had, and it was a bit more accurate. But it's something that can definitely be done. Um, and in terms of uh, confidence, um, unfortunately, we don't measure uh, how confident everyone is uh, uh, with the government data, but I spend a lot of time trying to convert people into actually appreciating and being more confident uh, about government data for this reason. Um, Kenya has what was known for a very long time as the biggest slum in Africa. And uh, for very many years, um, I hope there's no one from the UN here. But uh, <laughs> a lot of, uh, you know, UN agencies, development partners say there's a million people who live in this very small place. And we have, if um, someone joked and said there's an NGO in this slum for every, um, for 
for every 11 people, there's an NGO. So there was like, and, and true, you go there, um, you know, this slum, there's lots of foreigners who are doing their projects there and everything. And for many years, you know, everyone believed that. Uh, but then when the government did its censors, it just found that there's uh, at maximum 170,000 people who live in this slum. And, um, you know, everyone said, no, the government is trying to look good. And, you know, then an independent, an independent uh, organization called Map Kibera, uh, so this place is actually called Kibera, uh, went in and did, so they map house by house, and they found that there's about 250,000 people who live there. So um, for even now, when I talk to people, they say, no, we trust the UN more, we trust the World Bank more. And I say, have you seen a World Bank office or UN office in the sub-national? They have their offices in Nairobi, but have you seen them in Mombasa? Have you seen them in anywhere else? But the government has statistical offices in every single sub-national county, and we have uh, uh, 47 counties. So, and... Um, over the past about three months, the World Bank gave the government of Kenya five billion shillings. Uh, that's about $50 million uh, to do data collection. And uh, all this data ends up with the World Bank or with the UN. It's the same data that they use. So when we are losing confidence in, in, in governments and gaining confidence in development partners, I guess the thing to remember is that the development partners actually pay government to collect this information. So what we're trying to, how we're trying to address that with uh, open data is we publish less of the reports because with a report, I can say whatever to make myself look good. And we go in for the raw data as you collected it from the ground and put it out. Well, in the case of Argentina, unfortunately, we had a very sad uh, history of manipulating the, uh, public data. So for the past 10 years, our statistics were not really uh, reliable. So the new government uh, is trying to, to reverse that path. And we are um, strengthening the statistics office. Uh, we are succeeding on that, and but it's going to take some time. And for the data sets that, that we published this year, we didn't hear any, any bad report on that. So we are, we are happy because we know that there are a lot of suspicions um, among civil society because of our history. So we are not only working on the technical uh, problems of having a good quality data set to publish, but also on building um, a good uh, reputation for our uh, information strategy, which I think it's the most difficult part. Great, thank you. And I think there's another question. Oh, yeah, hi there. Um, um, my name is Iggy Bessie, and I'm just a citizen. Um, just a question, just building upon that, Sandra. So I, I've actually lived in South, South America and worked in Africa. And what I find is a lot of the open data coming from government is never really trusted. So is there scope for something like citizen science and crowd sensing so, that, so you can sense check that data? Because I really worry about data coming from the Ministry of Justice and open data initiative anchored inside of governments. Is there a broader role for sort of more players particularly citizens to contribute to, to the actual data sets. Yeah, I would, I would, I would say, for instance, what um, a lot of the civil society organisations actually are helping us do in Kenya is something called citizen-generated data. So um, through the Kenya Open Data Portal, of course, we are publishing um, government uh, operations budgets and uh, you know infrastructure. There's one interesting one called the Community Development Fund (CDF), um, and a CDF is money given to members of parliament for them to do development projects uh, within their institutions, and then they have to report back. Um, within their constituencies, and then they have to report back and say, for instance, I got money to build a school. Uh, this is how much money I got. This is how much money I have spent. This is the status of the project. What civil society organizations are now working with citizens to do is, um, because all these projects actually have GPS locations as well, um, so they would uh, have citizens go and check. So you go check, uh, you know, they say we have a school that has six classes, um, and you go in, you find there's a school, it only has two classes, what's the you know, condition, and you report back. And that is actually used to um, counter-check that. Uh, they, there was an interesting um, case where there was a school that they said, oh, status of the project, it's complete, we spent all the budget. And then a citizen sent a picture and showed they didn't even put the windows, they didn't put the doors, it's just a structure. There was one where there was... Um, 
a public toilet to be built and the public toilet um, had not you know been completed they reported it as completed um, what when the CDF committee decided they were going to visit this case said oh no no can you come in a week and when they came in in a week they, they found a nicely built toilet everything that so we're encouraging a lot more of the citizen participation to do citizen generated data that would be used to hold to account um, you know what is being reported as well yeah. Did you want to add any more? Well, in our case, we are not there yet, so we still need to work on a strategy to engage community on this kind of double check of the data. Uh, but for the some of the data sets that we already published, for example, the assets disclosure for public officers, um, we we did have some some. Uh, uh, reports and, and, and some double check from the community. So our idea is to, to build a strategy for having this uh, generated, community generated uh, feedback on data. Brilliant, thank you. Is there another question? Oh, sorry. Hi guys, so I work for a CDP. Uh, we have a cities team in which we work and we work with cities around the world to uh, respond to our annual questionnaire on climate change. Um, so I've got a strong interest in um, the open data. We have an open data portal and also as well in the SDGs. So I guess my question was, uh, do you see a role for uh, open data or what role do you see for open data in tracking the SDG against their targets? And um, do you see uh, kind of cities and subnationals working um, together in order to kind of collate the data, which could then be used at a national level to track the SDGs? Anyone like to answer that first? The city part. The city uh, guy. Okay, so I can speak about the city, but I, I really can't speak about this, uh, um, the subnational and national level. Um, so in, in Cape Town, um, we have a very um, um, well-structured climate and energy group within the city. So um, we have a, a department that, that deals with that, that area. Um, and they have an external forum, and I've actually attended some of the meetings that, that speak to this, um, 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 this, this, this topic of, of, of climate change. One of the challenges that we have with, with, with open data is really that we've also got a, a very good department or strong department in terms of systems and data in terms of um, electricity and energy data in the city. But the challenge has been to marry the two, to actually get the data out of the, out of the energy and, and electricity department so that uh, the stakeholders, these, these, these activists and, 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 and city department can actually work on this data and, and then actually have to um, come up with something for the, for the SDGs. But right now we still, we don't have that bridge yet in, in, in place yet, so we still we have a lecture in, I think it's a couple of weeks' time, um, from Tom O, who's at Publish What You Fund. He'll be talking about the joined up data standards around tracking development and tracking development yeah. spending. So you might be interested in that yeah. too. Cool. Great. I think a very specific example um, in Kenya is uh, just yesterday, the Director General of the Kenya National Bureau of Statistics, which is the government body that is mandated with collecting uh, national statistics uh, about Kenya, um, announced that uh, the Bureau is now going to invest in collecting uh, data for all the indicators. Um, the idea, as I mentioned, uh, of course, they have statistic uh, statistical offices in all the uh, sub-national uh, you know, governments. Uh, so the idea here is going to be that um, what, are, what is being encouraged really is that the various county governments will be encouraged to identify the things uh, from the full list of, of what they think affects them. I don't think all of them struggle in education equally or health equally. So it's uh, about finding, you know, maybe someone says we are struggling with justice and health and pick just those uh, and be able to use that. And in, in terms of um, the specific role of open data, I think it's just very clear uh, that one of the reasons why the MDGs might not have worked very well is no one actually took the focus of uh, being able to measure and track, you know, the progress. So uh, of course now with open data, it's going to be much, much easier, not just 
for government, but uh, civil society organizations that I think are way more invested in, um, you know, these kinds of uh, programs uh, to start tracking and seeing what the changes are. So even when, you know, in a few years when uh, we're, we're closing this, uh, we want to bash the government, we can, you know, easily say, well, you might have performed very well here, but you did perform well here instead of saying collectively you did not perform well or you performed very well. Yeah. Thank you. Is there one more question? Yeah. Um, okay. Thanks, Kat. Thanks. Uh, hi, my name is Nivan Khan. Um, my question is, how developed are your data protection laws, you know, privacy, um, data security as well, and in your respective countries? And has that been a help or a hindrance in your efforts? Um, maybe I should have a moment. <laughs> um, so we've just recently had... I'm not sure if the president has signed it into law yet, but it's the, the Poppy Act in South Africa, and it's the um, Protection of Personal Information Act, essentially. And, and it's kind of um, caused a bit more resistance on, on, on our side in terms of the, it's now an extra check. So everybody that, that we speak to in the, in, in the city about the releasing data for the portal would now say to us, but, but privacy is a, is, a, is a big issue. Um, we need to um, 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 just be sure that we have our, um, all of our um, 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 all of the necessary um, protections in place, so that that we are sure that when the data goes out, we're not going to get this um, backlash in terms of of, 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 of privacy. So um, it's been, I think it's a good thing the 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 the, the, the protection of, of 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 personal information, but I, it's it's the I don't know. It's, it's the interpretation of it's it's how people want to use that um, 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 in terms of um, protecting the, 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 the data or the domains, and, and that's a particular challenge with with, with us. I would say um, in my case, last just last week, the president uh, signed into law the Access to Information Bill, uh, which is a very big deal for us, uh, not very much because we've been running without one. Um, but then, um, so what's happened is we had developed an access to information bill and a data protection bill, uh, but then um, looking at how legislation works, you know, this has gone in first, but there is a clear definition of what, um, you know, is protected data and what, you know, privacy is uh, when we talk about personal information, government secrets, uh, which I truly support, you know, every government has its own secrets. Uh, there's uh, operations that really um, should be uh, should be done. And there are very specific clauses in that bill that, um, you know, define how to anonymize um, information. The hope is that uh, possibly much later, we might make the data protection bill into law, which uh, now picks on, there's a thing about eight definitions, and then now institutionalizes them and have that kind of uh, oversight body that ensures that uh, everyone is protected. But like Neil, I think the biggest problem is always implementation. I mean, um, there are all these freedoms and rules and laws, but then the question is, how aware are people about the existence of those things, and how can they then use them to enforce, you know, their own protection and their own uh, kinds of rights. So I wouldn't say that we are way, way ahead. Uh, there's still a lot of, uh, you know, um, ground to be covered, but at least the law is now in place and now the thing is to kind of start implementing that. Great. Thanks. Sandra? Well, in the case of Argentina, we don't have an access to information law, so we don't have many regulations on on that aspect. We do have some regulations on, on privacy, but the problem was during past years that the government was using the excuse on, on protection, the privacy, uh, just for not releasing public information. So we are trying to, to find a balance between uh, disclose, disclosure and, and, and protection of privacy, and we are still working on regulations on that. What we do have um, is a judgment from the Supreme Court of Argentina saying that the only um, data that is protected is the one related to um, religious belief, uh, sexual orientation, uh, and the like, but not actually other kind of information. So I would say that actually the, the possibility of uh, publishing information is broad, but we don't have a, a very... We do have some regulations, but we are still debating the, the, the limits of publication. Sure. Cool, thank you. I think we've got time for one more question. So, okay. Thank you. I find one of the troubles with 
having access to some government information, which on the whole I'm naturally very much in favor of, is that they sometimes didn't seem to collect quite the bits that I wanted. I wonder whether you're finding that as more information is becoming available, that people are starting to feel there should be more. And if they are feeling that, do you have mechanisms for putting it back to government? Look, this is what people want. Could you collect it for them and tell them what it is? Yeah, I got it. Yeah. When, when I, I was conducting my research on open data in the judiciary, one of the findings was the gap between the supply and the demand of information. So now that I, I am in government, this is a, a big concern. So this is why, in part, we set up this consultation platform, and we are trying to understand the demand so we can uh, publish, I mean, publish in the first place uh, uh, information that people need, and also trying to orient the, the production process to the demands. I mean, this is a, some, a time-consuming uh, and resource-consuming process. So we, we can do it in different stages, but we, are, we have that in mind and we are uh, moving towards that. I think in the specific case uh, of Kenya, um, and, and I like to say that's the idea of opening up information, is uh, uh, mainly for peer review so that someone can look at it and say, you know, this is not here. Um, in terms of managing expectations, though, we like to have, a, you know, if there is a lot of demand for a specific uh, kind of indicator to be developed, we do have the mechanisms of, you know, passing that along to the Bureau of Statistics or whichever um, other institution uh, that needs to collect that. Uh, but then in, in some cases, you find that, you know, you want one specific thing on a data set and no one else wants it. So the question is always, you know, do you want to put all the government resources in making sure that you're yes, happy? Okay. No. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And sometimes we find that. We find that people are very passionate about, you know, this one indicator and, um, and, and sometimes, you know, you have to send them down or you have to, um, you know, kind of manage the expectations. But yes, we do have mechanisms uh, where someone can request, um, you know, a data set or request a, a particular indicator with being a data set, and uh, we do put it out and say, you know, is anyone else interested in this, or we count them from, because we uh, monitor all the requests that are coming in to say, you know, there's a lot of demand on this, and we actually do send those. So in the case of, of, of Cape Town, what we have um, on our portal is um, a suggested data set function, so um, users can suggest data, and then there's also a feedback function, so users can give feedback on the data that's on the portal. So what we kind of see our, or the office that, that I, I work in is kind of an intermediate between the, the users of the portal and the data owners or the data custodians. So what we find is that when people download data, there's always more questions about, in particular, history in our case. So, so, so if we publish data sets, then they would want more data um, than what is being published um, in terms of that data set. So if we just went into a particular year like 2013, then we find that people would want data from 2006. Now, the systems aren't always able to answer those kinds of questions. So um, um, that, that, that's not always, um, so the, what, what the departments do is they generally give the data that's easiest to give first. Um, so so, so that, that's how we are, are, are getting the data onto the portal. So we are dealing in, 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 in a retrospective manner with those, with those, with those um, issues with the data, with the custodians that the open data users have, have, have indicated. Brilliant. Well, I think we're just about out of time, unfortunately. This has been hugely interesting for me. I feel really fortunate to have had such interesting perspectives shared from you. So I think if everyone could help me in thanking our participants for today.